Comic Book Tales is an immersive comic book experience for the new or lapsed comic book fan. I take a closer look at the comics that shaped my childhood and influenced my adulthood. Comic books are an amazing entry into another world and even provide the pictures to complete the fantasy. Join me for a new Comic Book Tales adventure. I want to welcome you to Chapter 1, Prologue of Comic Book Tales Season 1. This is a new format for me. This is a new format for this show. And we're going to see how this works. Um, But basically it's going to be told in chapter, serial form, um, about my impressions of the Marvel Universe. Where it came from, how it happened. and, And try to recapture some of that newness that every new comic book fan experiences when they finally get it when they finally say ah this is this is interesting i don't mean for the casual fan who says oh that was that was kind of cool i mean somebody says i need to read more about these things and maybe that's the direction this podcast is taking whereas it's not so much to encourage the person who's got a casual acquaintance because they've seen a movie it's to somebody who really wants to know the behind the scenes yeah you've watched you've read a few comic books you've watched a few movies, but here is your chance to, where did it all come from? And there's certainly better sources on this for all the the behind-the-scenes stuff, and I can put that in a final clip for everyone, but it, it really is, what was it like to capture Marvel at the beginning? And there's not a lot of people who can say they were there at the beginning of anything, but this is a chance for you to try to put yourself in that place. And I'm going to do the best job I can to give you that, that feel. Um, I'm an inferior storyteller on this thing, so please bear with me. But just try to think back, absorb it, focus on this a little bit, and maybe you'll come away with a better feeling of, of what Marvel was like in the early days and what it became and how it, it became what it is today. Good or bad, it became what it is today. So this is a tale of little good over evil, truly, where the little guy could triumph eventually. Marvel's the little guy. DC and every, well, really DC was the big guy. And Marvel was an also ran in that, in the comic world. Uh, it's a chance to show that what was created is endured beyond the wildest expectations of those creators. There are rocky patches where the heroes often look like villains. When money is involved, there are usually problems. When there are billions of dollars involved, as later became evident, there are headaches proportional to that money size. So the more money, more problems. It's, it's a universal truth. Uh, these men and women didn't get it all right at the time. That's very, very clear. But eventually they got it right enough, often enough, to change our world from an entertainment perspective. And this is my attempt, simply my attempt, to tell that story in the only way I know how. Please enjoy it. Take it for what it is. Um, it's not a tribute necessarily, but it is an ode to Marvel Comics. So, a long, long time ago. Okay, not really that long ago, but probably long ago past when most people alive today uh, would have been children reading comics as they existed. Uh, there were a few options in children's entertainment at that time. We're talking about the 1920s. Um, that would soon change as, as time went on in the 30s. But in the 1920s, there were few options available to any child as far as what we know as comic books or bound stories in one book form. Uh, so to tell the story of the Marvel Comics, we have to go back to that long, long time ago place because that influences what Marvel Comics became. You can't have today without having that. 
So back then in the 1920s, there was only Sunday Funnies available. And if you're of a certain age, you know what Sunday Funnies were. You can be a child today and still know what Sunday Funnies are. They're a couple panels, maybe one panel, maybe three to five panels of just one encapsulated story. Very little, well, there's no, there's not a lot of continuation. There's themes that might continue from week to week, but there's nothing really thematically that goes through from week to week to week that you're telling a story. Uh, that didn't come till much, much later, but the t- 1920s era stuff uh, started around the turn of the century, turn of the 20th century. There'd been political cartoons prior to that, but the 20th century was really when this stuff started to get um, a little more gas behind it, and, you know, printing techniques had gotten better, so you started to get the colored comics, okay? So prior to that, it was just black and white ink, so it wasn't, it didn't really appeal to the kids, and we can talk about why that was a little bit later, but this is something that started to be saying, okay, kids like this, let's collect this. There was an attempt to collect these Sunday funnies and reprint them in a book form, The truly the first comic book. Now, not the comic book you would think. It's more of an anthology book where it's just all the comic books you would have seen on a Sunday paper over a period of time collected in one book. Okay, called The Sunday Funnies. That's what it was. And it, it, enjoyed, it experienced some success, and I think people said, oh, maybe we could do more with this. Now, again, there were no, there were no superheroes at this time. None of that stuff existed. So it was really just a collection of stories, anthology style, that you just read, and they sold. Um, and eventually that sparked the imagination of the kids who were reading them into maybe writing something. And that's something that mother, other publishers said, okay, we can, we can work with that. We can maybe come up with something. Uh, so it wasn't until the 30s that you started to see original stories, okay? None of these characters had a huge following until the introduction of Superman by DC Comics in 1938 and then later by Batman in 1939. So remember that. So we're talking in the mid-20s, you're just collecting colored stories, it wasn't until the late 30s that you started to see, you saw some with the shadow, um, but it was that was more of a radio drama that also had a comic book attainment to it. He wasn't really a superhero. He was an, kind of an anti-hero, sort of, but that wasn't really the term they used. So it wasn't until the introduction of uh, Superman that we really started to see a concerted effort in the superhero genre style of comics and you know the late 30s we get into what's called the golden age of comics so i'll define the ages later but understand this is the start of the golden age which lasted until the mid-1950s but the golden age started with the superman batman traditionally that's how it's viewed as that's the starting point and this then world war ii hits 1939 world war ii starts the U.S. gets involved in 1941. Even prior to the U.S. involvement, a lot of other publishers had cropped up um, trying to capitalize on this good versus evil. Remember I talked about at the top, this is a good versus evil? Well, there's a literal good versus evil. Everything the publishers put out was good, fighting the evil fascists, whether it was the Nazis or the Japanese. It was evil fascists versus good allies. And again, this is prior to the United States entering World War II. Once we entered World War II, all gloves were off, and, and it was just a 
you'd see covers of people hitting Hitler or um, you know, killing Tojo. It was a it was a full on blast of um, violence towards the fascist, and it was good versus evil. But what you saw was as the World War Two ended, there was nowhere to focus that that direction of energy. The 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 publishers kind of lost steam because that was how they had made their made their bones. Um, Timely Comics introduced Captain America in 1941, Steve Rogers, and he was successful. But once the Second World War ended, he kind of faded. So people ask me, well, isn't the Marvel Age starting with Captain America? And the answer would be no. Yes and no. Yes, because he existed prior to the Marvel Age. But he really wasn't, he wasn't even... He wasn't even part of the initial Marvel Age. He was a precursor and then a an add-in later to give some stability and some support to an, a new fledgling organization. So he is, but he isn't, and he's not what what you think of today is not what Captain America was in the 40s or even the 50s or 60s. So it's changed dramatically uh, over the course of time. We rewrite history a little bit by when we think back on it. So he was familiar. But as the World War II ended, as I said, things started to go downhill for the comic book publishers. Then there was a comic code authority, which effectively neutered a lot of what had been going on up to that point. So about, I said the Golden Age ended by the mid-1950s, and that's when the comic book code really took effect. And it suddenly, you couldn't do the horror books that had become popular in the same way. You couldn't do the, you couldn't do the same things that had been successful. Now again, these were marketed towards children, so it wasn't completely it wasn't completely wrong to say, okay, maybe if the audience is uh, prepubescent teens, maybe we shouldn't be showing such violence to these teens. There's a debate on either side of that, but the reality was it came into effect, and it it changed how publishers could write and what they could do and how they could uh, get across their message. So when we look at that. DC survived, but they survived with Batman and Superman. Their their other superhero books kind of faded, and the other publishers basically faded away as well. They they hung on with doing schlocky sci-fi or some horror or romance or anything they could come up with that would sell a book. And it wasn't uncommon for a book to get to the newsstand and the publisher to be defunct by the time it got to the newsstand. So it, we'll talk about that in a later episode, but it's it's something you should be aware of, that these things were a little fly-by-night at times. So it, there was DC and there was everybody else. Um, and I think that's something people forget if you weren't living at that time. Uh, it was a dark time for everyone in the industry because television had really come into its own by the 50s and into the 60s. Uh, Small publishers really couldn't grab the attention of children. DC still had a, a hold to a point. They did the Adventures of Superman on TV. They had some Batman um, shorts in the movies. Uh, but Super- the Adventures of Superman on TV had ended by the 1960s, and it was really it was a tough, tough sell um, for anybody out there trying to make a superhero type of comic book or a superhero universe. Um, and it really was DC's to lose, and they didn't have a huge market share of the entertainment because, you know, still movies, still TV had been big. Um, it, it was tough. So when you get a monopoly, as DC had, you get complacency. 
Um, the art, the artwork at that period of time was not awesome. It wasn't energetic. It wasn't lively, and the stories became dull and predictable. What's the, what's the cheapest way we can keep putting out a book? And what you got was not awesome. And I think that's the best way to put it. It was, it was okay. And if, for the period of time, I guess it was, it was what you could expect. But you know, when every publisher was part of the problem. They weren't part of the solution. And everybody tried to emulate DC because DC was the big guy. And DC was just kind of mailing it in. And that's a problem. So comic creators didn't didn't have an incentive to do more. Um, and, and I want to stress this for, for everybody who doesn't understand how comics were made in that day. And we'll go into it in another issue in more detail. But they were paid piecemeal. So if you know what piecemeal means, it means I'm paid for the exact amount of work I do. So I'm paid per page that I work on, whether I'm the artist or I'm the colorist, the letterer. And if you don't understand those terms, we will get to those in another episode. I'm paid, and it's divvied up based on what the publisher says I'm going to pay you for it. Now, traditionally, DC paid better because they were bigger, but they didn't pay well. You weren't going to, these guys weren't going to get rich. And it was mostly men, some women, but mostly men, mostly Jewish men, surprisingly, in New York City. Um... They they found a place where they could work and make a living. Uh, there was some a lot of discrimination against Jewish uh, people at that time, and they found that was a place they could they could make a living for their families. Uh, the prolific artists and writers could make more because they were faster. If you were slow in plotting, it was really tough to make a living being a comic book in, in the comic book industry at all. So they were there was not a lot of money to be had. And there's not a lot of money to be made uh, going forward. So the page rates were relatively low. And understand that everything you did was owned by the publisher. So you came up with a character, owned by the publisher. You, you came up with a new novel way of doing something, owned by the publisher. You didn't get to keep that as yours. It was theirs, and you were paid per rate, you know, per page rate. Um, so that seems strange and crazy today. But at the time, it was, you're going to give me $5 to write a page? Okay, I'll take it because I don't have any other options. And I'm not really worried about what might happen 50 years from now. I'm worried about getting paid today because I need the money today. I don't need what you're going to promise me later on. I need now. So it's hard to, it's hard to put our feelings of today onto those of yesteryear. So be, be careful when you do that because you weren't in that situation. But suffice to say, what you were being paid while not making you rich was at least allowing you to survive. And the publishers, again, the publishers weren't getting rich either. Okay? That's the misconception that with these, oh, DC was, was raking in the bucks and Marvel's raking the bucks. Not really. And, and that's, that's a misconception a lot of people see because they look at today and they see how much a movie makes. They don't see all the all the costs that go into making that movie. They see Avengers um, or Captain America Civil War makes $1.1 billion at the box office, and they say, ah, you know, everybody's getting rich. Well, how much did it cost to make? You know, how much was involved in marketing that product? How much was involved in paying the actors? How much was all those things that go into it? They weren't, Disney didn't bring in $1.1 billion for Captain America Civil War. So you have to take that into account. And in the 50s, 40s, 50s, even in the 60s, and the 70s, the comic book companies weren't raking in the dough. 
they were fly, still fly by night with the exception of DC, still fly by night. And that's important to understand. Even at DC, it wasn't huge. They were comfortable, but they weren't rich. And, you know, they paid what they paid so that they could make a profit too. It wasn't to get break even. I mean, they were for-profit companies. They wanted to make some money as well. So this, this didn't become an issue until much, much later for these creators. But at the time, it was take what I can get, and I'm happy with it. Uh, I'll go over what, what was involved in making a comic book, um, but I'll go into detail in another issue. But there are artists, there's letterers, there's inkers, there's writers, there's colorists, there's editors, editors-in-chief. Um, so there's a lot of people have to split that pie to make a comic book. You've got to print it. You've got to distribute it. You've got to ship it. You know, things like that. So today's creator rates, if we look at just today's rates, two-thirds of the creators are at or below the poverty level. Let me say that again. Today, per page creator rates, two-thirds of the creators today are at or below the poverty level in the United States. That's not somebody getting rich. Now, there are people above. So they're about 5% above um, making what I would consider very good livings, $200,000 and up. But that's a very, very small portion of the, of the industry making that kind of money. And we're not going to get into the one percenters and stuff like that. There are people making it. How they've made it is, you know, each individual story tells it, tells it differently. Not most people making comic books today are not getting rich and may never get rich. They do it because they love to do it. And that's what you have to understand. I'm not getting rich putting out this podcast. So if there's an expectation of that, I don't think there is. But if there was an expectation, I am not. So there were casualties along the way for everybody. Casualties in in careers ended. Careers um, just never went anywhere. But if if two-thirds of today's creators are in the poverty level, then you can only imagine at the golden age how much less money there was uh, available to the creators. So... Keep that in mind when you're you're looking at rich comic books. You're looking at from select successes, not the multitudes of failures that were out there. So upon all of this foundation was the Marvel Age was created. Okay, so all that came before had to happen before the Marvel Age could be exercised, could be viewed, could be seen. And I, that's the story for another time. But just think back to all that low pay low um, expectation for job quality, low expectation for job satisfaction, low expectation for job security. Everything could be changed in an instant, and a lot of these companies went in and out of business, refiled, changed their names. Marvel changed their names multiple times before they became Marvel. Uh, DC was not even known by the name DC until the 1970s. So a lot of consolidation and, unfortunately, uh, loss of jobs for those who were redundant. Uh, at the time. So put that all in perspective. Next time we'll talk about what makes a comic book, how you, who's involved with it and what they actually do and why it's important. So stick with me for this uh, season of Marvel and hopefully you enjoy it and give me your feedback. I'd love to hear it. Thanks for joining me. I'm Chad. I'll talk to you next time.
This has been a Hannah Tree production.